Christmas, everybody. This is amazing that we're here. I feel like it was just October, and now it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been an honor and a joy to get to share with you guys over this Advent series uh, with Maddie. Um, it's, yeah, it's crazy to think that a month ago, I like opened it with um, that overview of the Bible, if you were here, um, and now we're four weeks later, and we're still going, and it's me. Um, a week away from Christmas, depending on who you are, you're either um, very excited or very panicked. Um, while I hope you're feeling the former, um, I'll admit that at this moment, I'm leaning towards the latter, <laughs> feeling a little panicked, feel like it came up real fast, but it's great. Work, it's gonna be great. Um, yeah, Advent is such a special time of the year. It's always been a favorite of mine, um, and this service, especially the last one before Christmas itself, um, it's a big deal, and it's not lost on me at all, uh, the privilege it is to get to be here sharing with you guys tonight. Um, this is also gonna be my like second last Sunday for a long time. Um, I'm gonna leave the States in like t three weeks, um, and I'll be gone till mid-May. Um, some of you know I'm a missionary with YWAM, um, and a lot of what I do is work with Bible education and Bible liter literacy programs here in Salem, um, but I have a passion for unreached people groups, people in parts of the world who have none of the access uh, to the Bible or to, um, yeah, the gospel the way that we do, whether because of their location or age or gender or level of education, they just don't have the access we do. Um, so this past August, I felt a challenge from the Lord to go do something about it. <laughs> so on the 8th of January, I'm gonna fly to Papua New Guinea and I'll be there for three months working with an oral Bible translation team. Um, there are 800 unique languages in Papua New Guinea and that's 12% of the whole world's like languages are all on half an island, uh, which is crazy. <laughs> um, Many of those like communities have actually heard the gospel. It's considered a Christian nation, but because of the diversity of language, they have no access to like Bibles or anything that they can read in their own language. Um, so there's a bunch of teams out there doing oral Bible translation work where they're actually meeting with locals, helping them translate the Bible orally, and then distributing it to communities so they can like build their churches on it. And it's awesome. So I'm gonna go there and be really warm for a really long time. <laughs> I was there earlier this year and I know it's God because there's so many bugs and for me to like wanna go back <laughs> for even longer, it's the Lord. Um, after Papua New Guinea, I'm gonna go to East Asia for another two and a half months to work with Bible distribution in um, mountains that we can't talk about like the country because it's still closed to evangelism. You're actually not allowed to like share the gospel but we'll be there doing it anyway. Praise the Lord. For the first boy, it's fine. Also very warm and very wet. So not my dream, but God's dream, and we're gonna do it. Um, it's wonderful and terrifying, and on any given day, I feel a different way about it, but I'll be back in May, and I'll tell you all about it then. <laughs> um, preparing for this sermon, um, I was thinking a lot about Jesus, which is probably for the best. Um, and it makes sense, right? It's his birthday, that's what we're all here for, this was what's happening. Um, and yeah, lights are up, the gang's looking good, like there's this air of celebration in the air, like this is a big deal, it's a really special part of our calendar, a really special part of the year, because um, Jesus was born on earth, God himself, as a baby. I don't know if you've met a baby recently, Rosie's in our midst, teeny tiny, so cute. Um, 
Every time I see Rosie at community group, I can't believe how tiny she is. So beautiful, so small, so small. And I just like, I'm not around a ton of babies, so when I see one, I'm like, the, their toes are like so small, and I just, I'll get stuck on that forever. Um, on a really real like faith level, I obviously believe that God did that, like made himself a tiny baby. But in another real way, I know that I don't get that, because I'm thinking it's like God, but it's tiny, tiny toes. And these like things together are just, it's something that I like just abstractly think, think about, and then I'm like, especially around this time of year. So I was thinking about that when I was thinking about this, and now you're gonna hear what I thought about. <laughs> um, there's something that's easy to miss in the birth of Jesus, like in the incarnation, in like um, God's presence, God with us, Emmanuel, it's all stuff that we say and we get really used to. Um, but sometimes, if I'm like honest, it's hard for me to hold both realities, like God is God and God is person, and my mind like wants to make sense of it by kind of compartmentalizing a little bit, even though we see God's heart to dwell with us all through the Bible. Like, it shouldn't be so much of a stretch. God walks with his people in the garden. He leads them with fire and cloud through the desert. His presence rests on top of the tabernacle. His glory fills the temple. There's all this evidence of God wanting to be with us. Um, and it's not new for him to want to be near. But now, in Jesus, he's doing something bigger and better, and that is what we're going to talk about today. Um, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is from Hebrews, so that's where we're gonna be. We're gonna be in Hebrews 1, uh, just one through four, only four verses. What could possibly go wrong? Um, we studied Hebrews two weeks ago in the school that I lead uh, with YWAM, and since then, I've been like, that's what I wanna talk about, because it's so fun. <laughs> um, but then I was like, oh, it's not like Christmassy enough, it's a Christmas service, but I, yeah, I couldn't shake it, and hopefully you'll humor me as I make my case. This is it. Christmas is about Jesus, and this passage is about Jesus. Ergo, a Christmas passage. Am I right? Am I not right? I was like, I was trying to, I was like, Maddie did such a good job of like the classic Christmas passages, like all that stuff. We've talked about Isaiah, we talked about John, we've done it, so I'm doing Hebrews today. It's gonna be great. Let's read it, we'll talk about it. It's fun. So, Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 in the ESV says this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he, who he, sorry, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. We're gonna go line by line through that because each line is very good and very obviously Christmassy, right? Hopefully, by the end. Um, so first up, long ago, many times, many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Um, the letter, the letter of Hebrews begins with this sort of statement of fact, that God has spoken. The writer doesn't need, feel the need to like expand on that. He doesn't need to prove that God speaks. He asserts it. Like this is obvious and clear. No need to expand. And if we're believers in God of the Bible, then we agree with him that God is a communicator, that he's revealed himself in all those ways we mentioned before, um, and then some. 
He spoke for generations and generations through the prophets, calling Israel out of rebellion, reminding them of his promises and his purposes. Um, What the author is saying here is that all that was revealed in the past was preparing the way for this most important communication of all, the revelation through the Son. Nothing that came before that was describing or alluding to the Messiah even could ever be as good as the Messiah himself. This is what I think he's saying. Um, And this is the whole theme of the book of Hebrews, if you are familiar. Uh, The past has given away to better things, the best of all being Jesus himself, Jesus here incarnate. Next part, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Right? So sometimes we hear or read like the last days and we get a little like twitchy about it, left behind, anybody? <laughs> I, uh, in 2017, I went to Crater Lake um, with some friends and we got like an Airbnb, it's this little cabin, and they had all the left behind movies on VHS and we were like, oh, we should watch that. Um, so it's scary because it's a cabin, it's scary because it's left behind and you're like, this is just wild, this is nuts. Um, this isn't a recommendation, if you haven't seen it, you're good. If you have seen it, then you know what I'm talking about. Um, but it's, it's like VHS, so it's kind of like, you know, VHSs are scary. They just are, because they're old. Um, but we watched it, and there was an earthquake that night. So I was like, is this, <laughs> is this it? <laughs> um, that's a different sermon. We're not doing that today. But what we're talking about here when we're talking about last days is less like end of time. Um, but Jewish, te- Jewish teachers would often distinguish between, um, the, between time in this way of like the present age and then the age of the Messiah. So that like the last days um, that we're looking at here is from this perspective that Jesus is the Messiah that's come. It's a reference to the Christian era, like post Jesus time. When God, spoke to, when God spoke to men through his son, it sort of marked the end of all those other imperfect methods that had come before. The curtain has fallen on the past, and with the birth and life of Jesus, this like final age has dawned. Like nothing's gonna come that's better than Jesus having come. Um, and that's where we are. And that's a part of what we're celebrating when we celebrate Jesus' birth. That we're in that age where God's perfect communication has communicated, and there's something about him that wasn't fully knowable before that's knowable now in the person of Jesus. Jesus, whom he, whom he, why can't I say that? Whom he, whom he should have practiced, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. If you're like me, you're like, oh, he appointed him heir of all things. Was that, does that mean he wasn't the heir of all things? So I love a question, and I'll just sit there for like a long time doing that. But I don't think that's what it means. <laughs> um, it's helpful to think of the created order like as it is, and then to be reminded that it belongs to Jesus. So what the author, I think, is concerned with is the present reality of that appointment, that currently Jesus is the heir of all things. And then, because the verse after it is talking about the creation of the world, um, I think he wants us to understand that there was never a time when the son was not the heir. Um, At the very beginning, as he was making, he was heir of it. Does that make sense? Okay, I sat on that for a bit and I was like, I think that makes sense. So then I looked to someone who's smarter than me. Uh, There's this great commentary on Hebrews by Donald Donald Guthrie, and he said this about that verse. Um, The statement that God created the world through the Son is staggering. There is no denying that God could have made the universe apart from his Son, but the New Testament is at pains to show that he did not do so. The 
Christians are convinced that the same person who lived among men was the one who created men, which is mind blowing. <laughs> this is one of the places where I can't help but think back to our Jesus as a baby um, and the mystery and the wonder and just kind of like mind blowingness of that. Um, kind of makes me want to just like sit down and like stare at a wall just for ages because I'm like, it's so big, it's so good, but it's so big. And I think of the disciples just like having lunch and would they ever just look at Jesus and go, you, were, you did that, you were there. You know, like, I don't know if you move in Christian circles. I mean, you do, you're here. Um, but we'll just be outside and someone will like squish a bug and someone, there's always someone who's like, that's God's creature, don't do that. Um, that if they were ever doing that and Jesus was like, I made that way back. I don't know, maybe you don't think about that, but you will now, next time you smush a spider. Wonder, like, was Jesus smushing spider? Like, I don't know, I don't know. I wonder if they ever had the fullness of that understanding. Like, we see plenty of things that they don't understand in the Gospels, um, that they just do not get, and Jesus is like, we've spent so much time together, and you're still, okay, cool, I'm just gonna keep working with you. Um, But it's remarkable and wonderful that that never excludes them. Right? There's so many things they don't understand and it never drives Jesus away. He stays near, he stays available. Um, And I felt like when I was preparing this that there's something to that for maybe somebody or like a couple people that never let the things that you think you don't fully understand be a barrier between you and Jesus. Like he's near and he's available and he's literally God all at the same time. And he's not fully understandable or fully knowable, that's part of the mystery of him being God, but he's not letting that come between you, so don't let that come between you and him. The author of Hebrews is super interested in the relationship between the Father and the Son, as I'm sure we are, and he goes on to describe Christ like this, and this is one of my favorite verses ever. Um, It says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Donald Guthrie about this verse says about Jesus, he reflects the glory of God. To understand this claim, we need to recapture the background to the thought. The idea is of radiance, which bursts out of a brilliant light. It's a striking picture, like the sudden appearance of a glorious dawn at sunrise. The rays of light pierce every shred of darkness to shatter it. Even this picture poorly explains the sense in which Jesus Christ reflects his Father's glory, because rays of light, however splendid, are after all impersonal. At all events, our writer wants them to know that the glory of God could be seen in Jesus Christ. A similar idea comes in John 1.14 where an eyewitness claims to have seen the glory. This can only mean that the whole ministry of Jesus was evidence of God's glory. John says this as well about that first miracle that Jesus performs turning the water into wine at Cana in John 2. He says this, the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. It's, it's this belief among the early Christians that they were actually seeing the glory of God when they saw Jesus walk on earth. Um, to reflect the glory of God in that way presupposes that the Son shares um, the very essence of the Father, not just his likeness, which is super cool. <laughs> um, Yeah, he's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Um, The word for imprint that's translated is the same word for like uh, an engraving um, or a stamp. The NASB translates it as stamp. 
And so imagine I showed you a picture of a wax seal that had been stamped. Imagine that. Yeah, you don't have to imagine because I did it. There it is. Um, it was suspiciously hard to find a picture of a wax seal online. I was like, this is taking the longest out of <laughs> all of this. It's crazy. But would you look at this, like, I don't know if you can see it super well. It's a little tree. Would you look at that seal and wonder, oh, man, I wonder what that stamp looks like? Like, probably not, because you can see it. It's right there. Whatever is impressed upon down is exactly what's on the stamp that did it. Um, the stamp on a wax seal is going to bear the same image as the engraving. And Jesus is always going to bear the same image as the Father. He's the exact expression, impression, representation of his nature. This is why it's amazing when you read the Bible and you see... Um, you see the Father in the Old Testament have, make these big epic promises and have these like huge moments of, of like glory and fire and all this kind of stuff and then you see Jesus and you start to listen to what they say and they're saying the same thing. Their care for people is the same, their heart for justice is the same, their love is the same and they're the same. Um, I read this verse in 2017 and like, I think I'd read it before, but it was one of those moments where you read something and it kind of just like slaps you across the face a bit different. I was reading it and I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me that I didn't understand that, that I had separated God the Father and, and Jesus the Son too much. And he was like, Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. They are the same. He's the radiance of his glory. They're one um, while being separate. I was like, okay, cool. That's huge and I don't know it. And he was like, yeah, you don't know it but we can learn, <laughs> we can learn. Um, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Super chill statement, um, just the universe. Um, this statement's about Jesus's present and active part in creation. The word for upholding, um, in Greek it can be translated as bearing up or sustaining. That's what Jesus is doing. He is set there at the very center of what is holding the universe together. If you're into space, this is probably more exciting than if you're not into space, but like to think about, I can't do a good job of this, like I know that there's math involved about like if something was just a little degree off, it wouldn't work. And to think that Jesus is do, like doing that, sustaining it just um, with like his words and the power in that is insane. Um, there's this idea, I don't know if you've heard of it, of like God as kind of a cosmic watchmaker. Like some people have this idea that something set things off, like God made a watch and just left it to tick by itself. This verse sort of like does away with that um, premise. <laughs> Jesus is very active. He's sustaining it through his very being all the time. <sighs> Which is dope. Um, so after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Angels are Christmassy, and so we got there. Uh, we could talk about Hebrews forever, we could. There's tons of angels, I'm not gonna talk about the angels. Sorry, I had to end it somewhere, and this is where <laughs> I wanted to do it. But if you're like, what about the angels? Spoiler, for the rest of the book, they work for you. And that's the message of Hebrews. Um, it's not. But if you get to, like, I always get students, and they're super into the angels. Um, and it just, like, the author of Hebrews is, like, they are ministering to you, to, like, humans. Right? They literally work for us. It's very cool. So if you're, like, need to pick me up, the angels work for you. That's awesome. You should feel good about that. 
Um, purification for sins, right? Wherever there's a sense of sin, there's generally present a desire to be cleansed from it. If you're aware of sin, um, you generally don't want to carry it around. It's a timeless, ageless quest. Um, and most systems that sort of deal with like, whether it's karma or sin or whatever, um, it begins with, with man and relies on that person's strength of will to overcome it. Um, this was super prevalent around Jesus' time with the Pharisees who generally made good works and self-effort the measure of religious devotion. The more you loved God, the more you revered and respected him, the less sins you would do. Um, the idea that sins could be purified without effort um, was completely foreign. But here, Jesus is the one who does it. He's the one who makes purification for sins. And it says that after, after making purification for sins, like he did it, he was done doing it, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Just this place of honor, it's really amplified by the use of majesty on high. That's a particularly like reverent way to refer to the Father, and that's where Jesus sits after, done, after doing the work that he came to do. Um, these things in contrast are like really powerful and really special that Jesus upholds the universe, this huge cosmic act that he's doing, um, operating on this like huge level, and then makes purification for sins, just intimate going-ons in our lives, like in our individual experiences. He's as aware and involved in that as he is on this massive, like, planet-suspending um, scale. He's amazing, because uh, he's both. It's amazing because there was a time when he was God Almighty and small baby, both at the same time um, and distinct. He was born, and he grew, and he lived, and he had friends. Um, he healed people, and he taught people, and he suffered, and he died, and he rose again, and now he sits at that right hand, having done everything that he came to do. Um, our culture really wants us to have every answer. Um, it wants us to, every nuance to have um, a label and a box and an explanation and a reason, and if you can't explain every single bit of it, then you're just like an idiot for believing it. Um, Jesus wants us to have faith um, in this truth about him, to trust in him. There are things that we do know, and for sure, and those things he's clear about, and I love how clear he is um, in scripture and through the spirit of what needs to be known about him, but there's so much in the mystery that requires faith and requires trust. Um, the author of Hebrews throughout the rest of this book is gonna um, admonish his readers again and again to trust Jesus, to trust his salvation, to believe in the work that he's done. Um, and so I wanted to run through some of those other verses in the rest of the book that um, back me up, what I just said. Uh, so in Hebrews 2.1, he says, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. That we should, um, yeah, hold these things, what we've learned about Jesus, what we know about him, pay attention to it so that we don't drift away. Stay focused on that, honed on that, so it doesn't, um, yeah, so that we don't drift away. He said it really well. Hebrews 3, 12 through 14, says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. 
there was something about the message of Jesus that you first heard that you were like sold on and that you, or multiple moments since, um, that confidence is what we wanna hold on to firm to the end. Um, and we, but we don't do it alone. We exhort one another every day towards that end. As long as it's called today, which is so poetic and beautiful, I love it. As long as it's called today that none of us would be hardened by this deceitfulness of sin, by sin lying to us, telling us something else about the world, something else about ourselves, something else about our communities. We like need each other to do that because there's days when you can't exhort yourself into believing it. So we're made for community and we're made to champion one another to this original confidence. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 says, therefore brothers, since we have confidence, again, confidence, uh, to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith that our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Just another um, encouragement, exhortation to in community with one another to draw near to God, to let that be what is at the center of what we do and how we do it, to this end, to hold fast this confession of our faith, trusting that Jesus is faithful to everything he said, for the purification of sins, to be, um, yeah, to be your savior, (laughs) to be um, your God, to be the one who you can turn to for everything and anything, that what he has done, he really did, to have trust in that. Yeah, to not neglect meeting together, because those days you can't exhort yourself, you need community, you need other people. Um, We're never meant to do it alone. Um, Yeah, and we don't have to. Hebrews 12, one through two, Therefore, this is all the famous ones, all the heavy hitters, it's great. Um, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We, from the very beginning, were made to represent the image of God. That's why we're made in his image. We were meant always um, to be people who introduce other people to who God is through our lives. Um, We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses every day (laughs) in everything that we do and everything that we um, stand for, everything that we um, contribute or don't contribute. Um, Yeah. We want to do all of that looking to Jesus as the founder and the perfecter um, of our faith who held nothing back in order to do what he had to do. And there's an encouragement to be the same way, to let nothing hold us back from um, doing what it is that he's asked us to do. So this Christmas, as we ponder and reflect on the beginning of this life that literally changed everything about everything forever, um, yeah, I wanted to issue this invitation to wonder. Um, I don't understand everything, far from it. (laughs) Every time I learn something, there's like 18 other things that I'm like, cool, now I don't know anything about that. Um, My like question to answer ratio is just wild, (laughs) way off. Um, But being a learner, accepting that and enjoying that changed my life. Um, 
I think growing up, I was like such a little Sunday school nerd and I wanted to know everything. And in school, I was like, I want to know everything all the time. And it freaked me out to not know things, to not have every single thing in a box with a label, with um, being able to explain it and defend it. <laughs> I just, yeah, it caused me so much stress and anxiety. But accepting that Jesus doesn't give us absolutely everything because there's that invitation to trust and to faith and to journey. Like if you just, on the day you got saved, got like a download of everything you'd ever know, then you're just like done. Then like life's super boring. Um, but yeah, enjoying being a learner and knowing that there's this journey of faith that we're invited into um, is a really fun way to live. So this Christmas and into this new year, be a learner. Just make peace in your heart with, hey, there's stuff I don't know, but I can know. Maybe now, maybe later, maybe down the line, I have a whole life uh, with Jesus to, to walk it. Be open to being amazed and being confused. Um, make space for that mystery of the reality of the person of Jesus, that somehow he is both God and tiny baby and person and, and fully God and fully man and all of that stuff. Draw near to him in that. Um, I used to get really confused by expressions like that, like draw near to Jesus or come to Jesus or give it to Jesus. I was like, how do you do that? Like I'd hear it in church and I was like, cool. But what do I do? <laughs> what does that mean? Um, that was one of my questions. Um, and a couple years ago, I was writing a blog about rest, about that passage um, uh, that I didn't write down because I thought I'd remember it. Come to you, uh, come to Jesus, all you who are like heavy laden. You know, you know the one. Um, and I was pondering those words. Like if someone, if someone tells you to like, oh, come over here, like what do you do? You move, right? If you want to. If you don't want to, you probably just pretend that your AirPods are actually playing music and you can't hear them and you don't. <laughs> but if you want to go, you move right? There's a change in your position. There's a change in your posture. There's something in you that goes from one place to another. If someone says, come here, you move <laughs> from where you are. To do that, you have to first take stock of where you currently are. Acknowledge where you are right now, honestly, um, and then ask Jesus where it is that he is, and then go there. Whatever it looks like for you to change your posture, your position, your space, your attitude, your heart, make the move because he's ready. Um, he's made purification for your sins. If that's what you're waiting to get out of the way, he's already done that. Those are, those are out of the way, believe me. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're good. He's not waiting till you pull up your socks or your boots or whatever, um, or like get it together. To, there's like, oh, I can't wait till we hang out when you're less sinful. He's like fully, he knows and he's on board and he's okay. Um, you can go to him as you are today. This birthday that we're celebrating, you're invited to it. He came here for you. Um, God Almighty incarnate as a man to live a human life um, so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for your sin so that he could fully understand and relate to us that there would be nothing that would stand between us again. Um, this Christmas, don't let there be anything that you're holding on to or putting in the way. Like pull out the chair at the table and sit down because there's a space that has been made for you. Um, yeah, I wanna say thank you for being such an amazing community. I'm gonna miss my Sundays here, um, but I'd love to pray for you one last time. Yeah, it's gonna be a crazy three weeks, but we're not alone. Um, and anything that you have coming up, anything that you're looking forward to in the new year, um, 
yeah, let it be full of that wonder and just amazement and just, yeah, maybe write down some stuff that you're like, I got a ton of questions about that. And just invite Jesus into the learning process um, and grow with him. So, yeah, let's pray. Father, we, yeah, Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the gift of your son that you would give us your very self to see and to know and to trust. Um, We thank you for everything that we get to know about you and we trust you for everything that we don't. Father, would you invite us into the mystery and give us rest as we enter. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you promise us peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and love in our journey. Would you teach us how to accept it? Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you for walking among us and living with us and going ahead of us, drawing us closer to you than we ever could ourselves. We thank you for the life of faith that welcomes us as we are. This Christmas, would we marvel at your love for us and for your world? Would we not lose sight of the call that you've given us to represent you, to be a light in the world that still waits in darkness, though the light has come? Would we be so in awe of who you are that it spills out into every part of the lives that you've given us? Jesus, help us. We don't want to do it without you. To you be the glory, now and forever. Happy birthday. Amen.